Podcast Revolution Network presents The Way with Noah. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to this edition of The Way with Anoa. Have a great interview up next for you. I interviewed uh, Ruth Hopkins this past weekend. Ruth Hopkins is a writer and activist and judge um, from the Dakotas. She and I sat down and had a great opportunity to talk quite a bit about what's happening out at Standing Rock and some of the uh, intricacies in the situation there. And then we also talked about a few other issues that maybe haven't even hit the mainstream, maybe even the progressive independent news radar, so to speak, um, with some other issues affecting um, Native and First Peoples throughout uh, North America, particularly some stuff involving, you know, women. Um, we, we, we Women's Equality Day was this past Friday, and that is a conversation. Those are conversations I want to continue having, not just on a specific designated day, but they're we talk about these movements, we talk about these these revolutions, these opportunities to really push the needle on issues, ideas, and policies that are not effectively addressed when we talk about marginalized people and people of color in this country. Um, we talk about dealing with the, the, the systemic underpinnings of racial just, racial injustices, of systemic racism. We, we, we can't have those conversations in a genuine fashion without talking about and particularly talking with um, Native American activists, policymakers, those engaged in the pulse of the people. You know, we can't discontinue, we, we can't discount, discontinue, forgive me, we can't discount the fact that there is an entire, you know, nation within a nation, so to speak, that there, there are people who predate the existence of this country. There are people who, who stand on land that is granted to them by treaty that that has been infringed upon time and time again so there's so many issues and layers and things to discuss but this was just a little snippet um with ruth and i and definitely want to follow up with her again um she's definitely a wealth of knowledge uh i'll put some links to her articles um and 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 the the description of course but i appreciate you guys for tuning in and and let me know what you think all right podcast revolution network presents been kind of twitter stalking you for a while and you seem to have like really great insight into a variety of issues um so i was really excited um when you followed me back and then i was able to send you a message to um ask about you know having just a a chat about um issues going on of course stuff with the pipeline is like really huge right now but just to kind of just get a sense on maybe 
issues that are important. Like I like to have good conversations with people just about things that are going on that maybe aren't being represented in the mainstream media and mainstream news. Um, and I also like to hear voices from um, other women who were active and involved in, you know, different work um, around the country just to see kind of like what's going on um, and maybe what else, you know, what, what's, 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 what's the pulse of the people type of thing, sort of. Um, okay. So, sure. So, yeah. So that's kind of like just my take. I didn't have like any one specific burning thing. I just, I just really wanted to just, you know, pick your brain, chat with you, um, just kind of learn more about maybe issues that are on your radar that are important that people need to be aware of. Um, like I said, the pipeline stuff has been huge. Of course, everyone's been talking about mm -hmm. it. Mainstream media, not that much, but you know, everyone else has been talking about it. So, yeah, we're starting to get some attention now, but we've really had to twist our arm to get any kind of news right. on the pipeline. Right. Um, so have you, have you had any, are you just, um, have you had, how do I say this? Have you had like actual direct action involvement in some of the action going around in the pipeline or, um, yes, I've been to the camp. Okay. I'm not there right now, but okay. I have been there. Okay. So I was just reading about how like they, I guess the army Corps engineers, they don't have actually an actual easement for the proposed area they have been planning to do all this but they don't even have the easement that they need yes that came out in district court okay um yeah and apparently both sides were surprised or that's <laughs> what we were led to believe right um and of course uh yeah you need an easement <laughs> like you can't yeah like when i read that i'm just like that's river. like development 101 like what are you mm -hmm. people doing um, Definitely, and I, I think that says a lot about Dakota Access, that they're just going right on ahead with construction, you know, and they didn't even have the proper paperwork in place. And a lot of the local media was, that was the main thing that they were saying, was everything that Dakota Access is doing is legal, they're doing it all by the book, right. so we don't have right to protest them. And this turns up, and that just totally gets rid of that idea, because obviously they're not doing everything by the book if they don't have the easement that's necessary. Well, I think it's even crazy, like, even if they did have, you know, everything allegedly by the book, I think it's crazy this notion that you don't have the right to protest something just because something is by yeah, the well, quote, quote, book. Yeah, well, that's constitutional right. Right, exactly. You know, we're Native Americans. I mean, there's a couple of different fronts to look at it. One is, you know, we're a sovereign nation and we have treaty rights and that's treaty lands. And the other side of it is we have dual citizenship. So while we're also tribal members, we're also American citizens. Right. So, you know, we do have constitutional rights, like the right to assemble um, and freedom of speech. So those things we should be allowed to do, you know, especially since we're doing it nonviolently. Exactly. Um, I think I think just, just, just that point you just made about different sets of rights, how you do have constitutional rights as American citizens, but they're also treaty rights. Um, that's like an excellent point because so, so often it's blown over or it's overlooked that, that there are, an, there's another layer, right, of, of, of league, what should be legally enforceable rights there, um, mm -hmm. in these conversations. And a lot of people just like, whatever it's being done. So just get over it. And it's like, no, what's being done is not right. And it should yeah. be legal. People don't understand what's at stake. And for the, another thing too, is just because you know, they're supposedly doing things legally doesn't mean that it was thorough or correct. Right. Because they're kind of going through loopholes to avoid things like a thorough environmental impact statement. 
Um, they built it saying they were doing a number of small construction projects versus a big one, so they avoided a lot of, um, you know, necessary okay. steps they would have had to take. Mm-hmm. And they also didn't consult with the local tribe. So, you know, we know that there are ancient artifacts there. We know that there are old human remains um, from the people that are there. Not only have elders said that, but our historic preservation officers have said that. Mm -hmm. And they didn't contact us about any of that. And so, you know, they've just just totally overlooked um, the people that are living there. That's, I mean, and we see so much is happening in different, in different, you know, formulations across the country, but it just seems so egregious in this context. Like you were just saying that it's not just you're just, you know, displacing people or not speaking people, but you're you're actually trampling on space that has meaning and value to a group that you have never even consulted with. Um, that just that just seems so callous to me that you're just going to build on top of someone's where someone's grandparents or whomever may be. Mm-hmm. resting right like like that's supposed to be sacred space no matter who you are and mm-hmm. and in comes you know so, big corporation it's like whatever we want this land well yeah i mean if a corporation or whoever was plowing through a graveyard you know you would definitely hear about that exactly and um for some reason because we predate the united states they think it doesn't matter that's it's just so I don't know to what extent, you know, you'd be able to answer this, but, but, but what, if anything, you know, should have been done in terms of like you were just saying, you do have, there are treaty rights at, in this treaty land. Like what should have been done? I mean, obviously consulting with the, with the local tribe, but like, are, is there a particular like formula or set of steps that should have been taken that weren't? Well, from a legal standpoint, I think there should have been a thorough environmental impact statement done okay. um, by Dakota Access, and they also should have consulted with local tribes and got express permission from them. Um, of course, that wouldn't have happened, especially with the case of Standing Rock, because they know, um, besides you know the whole issue with the new remains being there and sacred lands, um, there's the case of the drinking water. Right. I mean, we're just not going to let someone pollute our drinking water source. And everyone should be concerned about this, not just people at Standing Rock. Everyone who is down the Missouri River should be concerned about this. Right. I think, I think, and we've seen so many examples in recent years, whether it's just, you know, poor decision-making, like with Flint and drinking water. I mean, there's so many examples of drinking water, water in general, but drinking water specifically being somehow, um, you know, affected by different types of, you know, actual, you know, uh, 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 whether it's chemical spills or I mean, there's been all types of stuff that happened the last several years. So it, it's it's peculiar that there isn't a, a greater push for people to take it more seriously, especially when they're doing um, construction or development that could somehow, you know, impact a local water source. Um, yeah, I think they just thought they could get away with it because it was close to the reservation. I think I think they thought mm-hmm. that no one would notice, and that's just, that's actually what happened at first because. You know, like you were saying, mainstream media has pretty much totally ignored it. And, you know, we literally had to get, like, thousands of people out there before people started taking notice. But that camp has been there since April. So this didn't spring up overnight. Wow. We've been fighting okay. this for a long time. And they know that it's a risk to drinking water because originally this pipeline was supposed to go north of Bismarck. And it was um, actually refused because it was a risk to the drinking water for Bismarck, which is 
I think it's like the second largest city in North Dakota. Oh, it's also the capital of North Dakota. So they know there's a risk to the drinking water. So wait, so the what pipeline they they was it? originally supposed to go, you know, through or near Dis- Bismarck, and it was refused yes. because North of, of Bismarck. Because it would have been a risk to the drinking water. So but it's okay to relocate it, even though that same risk exists. Yeah, exactly. What? So they know the risk is present. And it's just another case of Dakota Access being shady and not being completely honest and forthright. Right. Just like they've been saying that they're not constructing. They've been constructing this whole time. Like, throughout the whole time that the injunction... Um, hearing before it was supposed to take place, they were constructing the whole time. This is... So, so what can... Okay, so what can, you know, like you said, this has just been going on. Like, I, I had no clue this had been going on. For, I knew this had been going on for a while this summer, but I had no clue it had been going on since, actually, since April. That's, that is a quite... I mean, that's four months, almost. We're almost in September mm-hmm. now. That's that's quite a bit of time. Um what do you think, if anything, could people, you know, I know people are, I guess, petitions circulating now. What what can people do to maybe help? I mean, if anything, anyone can do to help, do you think? Well, uh, you know, it depends on your resources. Mm-hmm. Um, you can definitely come. Everyone's welcome to show up and right. camp out at the site and actually, you know, be there on the spot and help in person. You can also um, make donations online mm-hmm. if you go to um, standingrock.org which is the official standing rock through tribe page okay. Okay. there is a donation link on there and okay. it does have paypal available so that is if you want to make a donation to them that's the safest place to do it because you know it's absolutely being used for that purpose and it's definitely right that's legit i've wondered about that because i've official. seen some yeah. other you know you know how people set up their own links and GoFundMes and things mm-hmm. like that you always have to wonder like eh. Like who authorizes? Yeah, I would be wary of those unless you, if you know the person directly. Right. Okay. Um, because we're starting to see that where it's getting so big. Um, like I saw someone trying to sell T-shirts for it, and nobody knows who this person is. Mm. So we're starting to see like, you know, kind of some profiteering going on. But um, so, but the the official donation page is on standingrock.org. Okay. And also, you can do things like um, be on social media and bring awareness, um, retweet. Um, post up links about it and right. just spread it everywhere. You can also um, sign petitions. There's several different petitions online. Um, like there's one for the White House. And, you know, I've heard people say, well, this is a long shot and stuff. And that's true. But, you know, if you don't do anything, you'll never know. So we right. might as well try it and see what happens. You know, whatever we can do to possibly alleviate the situation. So what would be, I mean, getting them to stop the construction that they claim that they're not actually doing, of course, that would be the best case scenario. But, but what, what, what do you think that, you know, what would be a good outcome from, you know, what's happening? I mean, obviously getting them to stop, you know, getting them to move it, getting them to take the time to go back and do actually the environmental impact statement, like what should be done now? What should be done is, the district court judge should approve the injunction mm-hmm. and Dakota Access Pipelines and or Dakota Access LLC should be forced to go through with the official environmental impact statement right. and um, they follow those um, strict regulations. And I think once that process is completed, that they will not able they will not be able to go complete forward. construction at mm-hmm. that location. Um, so realistically, I think that's what should happen. Right. Ultimately, I don't want the pipeline built at all. 
um, if you've looked into the issue more, you'll also see there's a lot of um, problems in Iowa with farmers who don't want it going through their land. Okay. And there's kind of been some weird, um, shady, <laughs> like, um, Dakota Access agents offering prostitutes to farmers to get easements over their land. It's just some really absurd what? type of thing. <laughs> yes, it was actually a published article that that happened. Yeah, so um, there's also going to be farmers all across, you know, down, I think it's to Illinois, where they're okay. trying to go, okay. that don't want it built there either. So, um, and then... You know, of course, if we're talking big picture, I would love to see the United States and other countries start to um, take green energy and alternative sources of energy seriously right. and start investing in those so we can get away from fossil fuels. Because another thing I see happening is a lot of the people who don't like the protests and think that we shouldn't be doing it are also saying, well, you guys are hypocrites because you drive cars and, you know, you use... You use fuel. Well, we have no choice. We have right. no option. If we had any kind of viable option, we would go with that. You also see people on horseback down there, you know? So, right, right, I mean, right. if, if we can, we obviously use other um, sources of energy and transportation. But that's the, that's the place we're in right now, and it's not going to get any better until we start moving towards other sources. Definitely. Um, how, did you, how did you become involved in, in what's going on in Standing Rock? Well, I mean, I was born there. I was born okay. in Fort East <laughs> on the Standing Rock Sea Reservation. Okay. Um, I'm okay. Lakota and Dakota. I'm enrolled um, with the system of in Dakota Nation, which is like three hours away from there. Okay. Um, so these are my people, you know, and these are my relatives. So I I care about them. and I mean, this is our legacy. Right. It's important. I mean, it definitely is important. Um my 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 daughter they were talking about it in class last week and she was like have you paid, do you know what do you are you even paying attention to this mom i said well i've seen some stuff not really like i need okay i need to do better i'm sorry but but she's like do you even know what they're doing <laughs> to people i said I'm, it's I'm great wondering. that people are talking about it in classrooms well, yeah, well, yeah, it, well it is um i mean it's an ap class i think it should be you know talked about and you know on regular honors levels and regular classes too but it's an ap class mm-hmm. and um they were, I don't even know what exactly they, how they got on. It's her environmental science class. So that makes sense why they would talk about it. Cause he's really big on okay. renewables and recycling things. Sure. And, and someone asked a question and then he went into a segue and somehow they ended up on that topic. And she came home with so much more information than I hadn't. I was like, okay, I see. I've been bookmarking articles. I've been meaning to get caught up and really digging sweetheart. I, I promise I'm going to do it. So, I mean, there are, it is, it clearly is getting, the information clearly is getting out there because her teacher talked about it in the classroom and all the kids apparently were like blown away. But, but I do think like continuing to have here. conversations, you know, and, and whether it's people writing, you know, op-ed pieces or whatever the case may be, like we need to continue to, to, to get understand. Cause just like what, cause just going back to what you said, like I said, we see this in different, you know, iterations across the country when you talk about marginalized or poor populations where there'll be a project plan and one group of people will say no we don't want it for these reasons they'll acknowledge that those are valid reasons and but they'll move on and they'll put it someplace else whether it's near a reservation community near a poor community you know in an inner city or wherever they do it at and mm-hmm. then people act like those people are not don't have the right to complain as if somehow those lives are less than 
or, or, or that's a perfect description of environmental racism. Well. Yes, it is. It is this. This is actually this is on top of so many other issues going on. This is a a a, a prime example of environmental racism right now, particularly when you say you have these other groups that are also saying we don't want this pipeline, but yet and still. It's the stand that's taking mm-hmm. place at Standing Rock that is just like, well, you have you have no right to even object. Like, mm-hmm. that's that's insane. Exactly. And I think one of the things that this whole situation has really brought to light for me personally is how much power corporations have. Yes. I mean, obviously I knew before that they have a lot of power, but they have so much influence over elected officials Mm-hmm. And law enforcement, and it's just seen it. It's just been incredible. Where it's, it's almost like corporations give politicians and law enforcement marching orders, and also local media. I mean, we've been really attacked by local media here. They've tried so hard to paint us as, you know, these violent savages who are, you know, don't have a right to protest, and we're being used by environmental groups and all of this nonsense. And it's just, I mean, all they have to do is go there. You know, right. go to the camp and you'll see there's no weapons, right. there's no guns, there's not even any alcohol or drugs or anything like that. There has been no crimes committed there. Mm. Just people taking a stand. It's, mm-hmm. it's, 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 I mean, but I think you also made a good point when you were saying about the power of corporations because we do see so much, we, we do see that as well. Like money, if you're a group that does not have the sufficient you know, green to make something go away. Whoever has money to spend, that they at least they think that they can just come in and just do whatever and walk all over you. Um, mm-hmm. we, we we see corporate interests do that in so many different areas. Either the way they influence legislation being passed too, right? Like, like I know I was reading a while back about um, the challenge in North Dakota over um, the voter ID law. Um, and it just seems like from just from the different articles, if you've read articles I've read, there's this 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 idea that because you you either whether you're from the res or you have family, like somehow you're not you're not the same level of citizen, you know, as everyone else in the state. So you don't you know, your rights don't necessarily have to be supported or enforced the same way, because like some of the I, I don't know if it was the attorney general who, or secretary it must have been the secretary of state when they were talking about. Um, like the issue with with people maybe not having the same access to get to you know to get to their to get to the DMV to get a new ID or um, how they change the requirements so maybe older tribal IDs were not accepted anymore and they were just like okay well so what's the problem like why does that matter but it's like you have this whole group of people who may not be able to vote that's what the problem is it's like okay why does that matter and it seems to be just a lack of concern for people um, yeah, and there's definitely some partisan politics at play with that, mm-hmm. with the whole voter ID law. Um, for one, the main person who advocated for that was Congressman Kramer, okay. who is extremely right-wing. Um, he mm. was one of the early endorsers of, of Donald Trump, oh. um, and he's had direct conflicts with Native people in the state. Um, there was a meeting a few years ago with um, members of it was a domestic violence coalition, and okay. um, he he had words with some native women there. Um, he threatened to wring the tribal council's neck, and he made some women cry. 
<laughs> and oh, this wow. person is supposed to be um, representing us. I actually wrote an article about that. It's in truthout.org okay. if you ever want to look okay. it up. Okay, yeah, sure. Um, I'll definitely check that out. So, so this is the guy who was kind of championing, championing the um, voter ID law. Um, and it's Native people who we've actually gotten people elected to office, um, you know, by very slim margins. Okay. So when we turn when we do turn out, you know, we can um, get people in. Like Heidi Heidi Cap was basically elected by the Native population. Okay. Um, and she's a Democrat. And so, um, I don't know how much you've read up on that, but the voter ID law was kind of, um, you know, overturned by a judge. Yeah, recently. I did just recently. Yeah, okay. I did recently read that part because I remember I remember yeah. reading several weeks back maybe like two months ago, an article that was talking about the pending lawsuit. And then I remembered, I do, I did read about um, at least the federal court judge. Cause it was that one. There was that one. There was one in North Carolina. Yeah. Like yeah. Wisconsin he, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. He basically said that the, the uh, secretary of state didn't give enough cause as to why they needed this voter ID law. Right. Um, so that kind of glossed over a lot of the other major concerns, but I, you know, people, don't realize, you know, the reservations in North Dakota are extremely impoverished. We're talking about people who often don't have vehicles. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so all of these little um, hurdles that many people jump through just to vote matter, you know, right. and that's going to keep somebody home um, and prevent them from voting when they do that. I don't think we've seen the end of that, though. I no, think we're I still going to so. try to implement it. I think, and I see what they've been doing in North Carolina. I think that's probably my grandparents are in North Carolina, and um, so I think I think that's that's. It, it just seems like there is this, 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 this. Um, I won't say a movement, but there is definitely a push. Definitely Republican and the more conservative right wing Republican led push, whether it's Wisconsin, North Dakota, South Carolina, Texas, several places, to really um, disenfranchise certain people from being able, and of course, traditionally mm-hmm. people you know, black and brown people, people of color from being able to vote and engage in the process. I mean, they do it. I'm, I'm here in Atlanta. I'm in Georgia and they've had issues with just purging people just randomly for no reason. Um, mm-hmm. from the role. Yeah. We've had issues with that too in past elections where, um, also the other thing too, is they wouldn't accept tribal IDs um, because a lot of people only have tribal IDs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's supposed to be legally accepted. Right, it is. Extra. Supposed oh. to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's supposed to be, yeah. It's supposed to be valid. But you have you have people, sometimes it's corporate money influence behind some of the stuff that happens that, that make these decisions. And luckily, thankfully, there are people who are willing to stand up and challenge them. But I, I, it can be challenging when you have to challenge so much on so many different fronts. Um, yeah, um, the Native American Rights Fund has been doing a lot of work okay. with um, the voter rights for Native people. So, um, you know, this is partly the, where we should thank them, I think, for right. doing that work. Definitely. So is there anything that you think that isn't getting covered that, that is something that's pressing and should get more attention or anything that you're working on maybe outside of you know, maybe some of the pipeline stuff that, that, that you want to maybe highlight? Wow, that's a big question. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of stuff that are going on that isn't really considered by mainstream media and people don't even know about. Um, one of the things that's always a constant for me is missing and murdered um, Indigenous women. Mm, okay. um, up in, it's 
we kind of focus on Canada and First Nations, but okay. it's also a problem in the United States where um, there's a lot of Indigenous women um, who have been kidnapped and are still missing or else they've been murdered. They've never received justice. And nobody ever paid attention to these women, you know, or else, you know, the local coroner would just say it was an accidental death or something when it's obviously not. Right. Um, and it's like thousands and thousands of women this has happened to. Um, and, you know, when you read through some of the cases, of course, I'm not like a, you know, a professional investigator or whatever, but mm-hmm. um, some of these things, you know, I wondered, are, are there serial killers on the loose up there? Because that's how bad it is. You know, just so many cases. It's really terrifying. Um, and so I always try to bring attention to those cases as okay. they um, continue to happen and, you know, just to put the word out there um, because awareness is a major problem. It's, it's like people are, are invisible you know, to the mainstream, and their Mm -hmm. lives count. You know, these people have families, you know, um, they're a human being, and, you know, we should be concerned about them. Actually, my cousin, I have a cousin, her name is Shelly Robertson, and she's actually missing right now. She's been missing since June. So um, she's another person who we don't know what became of her. She was last seen in Fargo, North Dakota. in law enforcement I've posted instance. her her flyer a few times, okay. but so far we haven't heard anything. This is, I mean, but, and this reminds me there there were um is a group of young girls, you know, different young women went disappearing from the Bronx. Young black women went disappearing from the Bronx. Um, I think it's been over the past over the past year or two, but people are 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 really so somewhat similar, not the same large number, but but you know there there are so many instances, you know, with women of color just not getting the same attention if they were yeah, a young it's like almost woman. They consider us, yeah, they almost consider us disposable or like yes, throwaways. exactly. Just because someone is poor or, you know, a lot of times the women, not always, but a lot of times the women are, you know, um, maybe work in a sex industry okay. or they have like a drug problem or something like that. Mm-hmm. But that, I mean, they're still people, you know, they're still human beings. Absolutely. So, yeah, that's been an ongoing frustration for me. Um, and that's actually something I tweeted about recently was the police in Bismarck and Mandan, mm-hmm. um, because of the protest, they said they were escorting school children to school um, because they said that we're a danger or something. But because of the it is just totally unfounded. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's totally propaganda. But what I thought of was, okay, so we have enough police to like individually walk children to school but, you, you know, you have all of these missing and murdered just indigenous women. You also have women who are being trafficked through sex camps on the, on the, on the Bakken, which is, mm-hmm. you know, the oil area of North Dakota. Right. Um, women who have been raped and kidnapped and stalked. You know, where are the police then? Why isn't that getting more attention versus walking school children to school for something that's not even true? That just sounds like some nonsense justification as to why you know the camp needs to be shut down or people need the protests need to oh yeah it's all, you know, it's all not propaganda. not any yeah it just sounds like more propaganda more fear-mongering than it's just like the sheriff um the local sheriff there went on the news for a press conference and he told people that we had pipe bombs and that was totally unfounded and actually what we think he misconstrued was we have sacred pipes that we right. smoke, you know, okay. in ceremony, right. and somebody misconstrued us having our sacred pipes as meaning we have pipe bombs, which is so ludicrous. <laughs> you know, it's just like not even comparable to the same thing. No, 
<laughs> but they've been going out and you know on TV and radio and stuff and saying these things, and they're just not true. And there's no, and no one, of course, finds any reason to correct themselves or. Nope. Of course not, because it fits their narrative for their 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 ultimate end. Mm-hmm. Huh. But you said you've written some about the missing women. Yeah, I've written and tweeted about it. Okay. Um, okay. Other other things that have come up is um, we're always concerned with protecting sacred sites. Um, I wrote an article about Bear Butte, which is a sacred mountain in the Black Hills. Okay. Um, that was in danger of encroachment. It's it's just down the road from Sturgis. Um, Sturgis has a huge motorcycle rally every year in August, mm-hmm. which is also about the time that we do a lot of ceremonies there. Okay. And we've been doing ceremonies there for thousands of years. Right. Um, and, you know, our ceremonies, it's just like our church, you know, Fairview is like one of our churches. And <clears throat> these ceremonies require um, a certain amount of solitude. You know, um, you don't want helicopters overhead. You don't want, like, drunk people wandering around the mountain, um, yelling, revving engines, things like that. And so um, we were trying to protect it from encroachment, where we want, you know, sometimes a buffer zone around the therapeutic so um, people are still able to go to ceremony there right. and just keep it sacred, you know. Um, I just wrote another article about the Black Hills. Um, Black Hills of South Dakota belong to the Oshati Shakoi, which is also called the Great Sioux Nation. Mm-hmm. And the most recent development has been our senators and congresswomen from South Dakota are trying to get 2,000 acres of federal land um, in the Black Hills transferred over to state land. And that's a problem for us because that land belongs to us. It's our land under treaty. Right. And the Supreme Court of the United States actually agreed with us and said that that land was wrongfully taken from us. And so um, Congress was supposed to give us just compensation um, for the Black Hills, but we are not willing to accept money for it because it's spiritual property. Gotcha. You know, so that's unethical to us. And instead, we want the federal land back, and we're in the process of doing that. So um, we're kind of being um, opposed by our very own representatives, basically. Um, So that's another concern for me is just us, getting the Black Hills property back and protecting it. That's, that is a lot. <laughs> you, I'm just like, I know it's, I, I know it's like a big open-ended question, but I'm just like, I know there's probably so much going on that we have no clue what is what. And it's just, that's what it feels like to me is it's always, um, you know, it's a revolving door of crucial issues, you know, and right. a lot of things that are not being taken care of and overlooked. So yeah, I'm I'm very busy <laughs> I'm with sure. those, you know, just um, all of these trying to make sure that these issues receive attention and trying to do something about it. Um, I'm also a judge, and so um, that's another one of my concerns is, um, you know, like our lack of law enforcement on the reservation. Okay. Um, you know, drug problems that we have. Also, getting the Violence Against Women Act. Um, there were provisions made um, mm-hmm. for Native people. Um, okay. to help protect Native women from non-Native abusers, because in the past we don't have jurisdiction over them, so there wasn't really anything we could do about it. Okay. Um, and so those provisions are supposed to help us um, protect our women, right. but it's not activated everywhere. So, you know, that's another one of my concerns is making sure that that law is implemented 
and trying to decrease that, you know, that violence that a lot of Native women face. Um, and then something else I'm always talking about is Native appropriation, um, mm-hmm. cultural appropriation. Okay. Um, and it's really, it really is connected to everything else. Mm-hmm. All of these issues are interconnected. But with cultural appropriation, what we see is, you know, besides the actual theft of our identity and our culture um, and our sacred objects by people who don't understand and just kind of take it on as their own, and they tell us we're not supposed to be offended by it, <laughs> is, um, you know, it, it erases our legitimate culture and our legitimate voices, and it makes it easy for people to dehumanize us. Right. So, um, you know, if they think they can take whatever they want from our culture, if they think we're extinct, then they aren't going to care that they're, you know, plowing a, a pipeline through our river, you know. Right. And so all of these issues are interconnected. I absolutely agree. You've taught me so much. <laughs> You've given me so much to go research and, and, and learn more about. No, seriously, because, I mean, I think, I think opening up people's eyes, like I'm no, I'm like I said, I'm in Georgia, but what is happening, you know, with stuff you're just telling me about, I mean, I feel it's not like, again, it's not even nowhere near the same magnitude, but I feel very connected because you see similar, you know, ways of not just cultural appropriation, um, dehumanizing people's existence so that you can Mm -hmm. take the space they occupy. Again, it's not, it's not the same thing, but I, I can definitely in some small way, understand and relate as I watch that happen to communities I grew up in um again mm-hmm. not exactly the same but um you yeah know. it's definitely related but yeah I, I can understand I can definitely understand mm-hmm. and, and and at least on some basic level relate that's that's deep um you know we, we spend so much time thinking about people being separate boxes and being so different but they are when you look at the way the United States oppresses people um Again, it doesn't happen all in the same way, but there there is an underpinning there. Um, yeah, it's it's systemic. It really is. Yeah, it really um, is. The whole system is built on the oppression of you know all of the minority groups and you right. know indigenous genocide and right. slavery, and it's not even acknowledged. No, it's not part. not at all. And we have so much lip service. People are now starting to say the term systemic. You know, people. Mm-hmm can say different things or whatever right but they can't they're not really willing to actually take a good look at what it is in the fabric of america that leads to the reproduction you know these continued issues um against you know communities of color across the country like they're not and and we have to hold people accountable the best way we can no seriously yeah well one of the first things that they can do you know besides paying attention is uh, letting us speak for ourselves and yes. um, amplifying our voices. Yes, definitely. So people do know we're here and what we're experiencing. Um, you know, so I think that's one of the first things that hopefully we're accomplishing now. Um, you know, but we have a long way to go as well. We do, definitely. Like, I've I've seen so many different people tweeting, like, just going back to the pipeline, for example, so many different people tweeting, but I'm just like, I really don't want to hear from another white environmentalist about this issue. Like, I'd really like to talk to someone who's actually not just in the know, because you can read some articles and get a sense of what's going on, but someone who actually, you know, is of the people. Like, like you just said, like, you want to actually talk to people and let them share their own voice. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. need someone else repeating, you know, someone else's story for me. 
right? Like I, I think yeah. letting people, like you said, letting people tell their own stories and their experiences is so much more powerful than someone else mm-hmm. repeating it, you know? Yes, um, that emotional connection. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. 